Welcome to A Wild New Work, Ecological Guidance for Your Career. This podcast is about how to take wise, soul-centered action in your career, and it's all based on the wisdom of nature. I'm your host, Megan Leatherman, a career coach, writer, and human resources consultant based in Portland, Oregon. Thank you for being here. If you're new to this podcast, welcome. If you've been here before, thank you for being with me again. Um, It is December and it feels like winter is upon us here in Oregon. Um, It's technically still late autumn, but um, winter is knocking at our door and I'm excited to share some thoughts about how to work with this season metaphorically and literally um, in your career. And as I was preparing for this podcast, I, you know, I always kind of check in with my intuition in the weeks leading up and try to kind of work out what wants to be shared. And this month I felt really drawn to learn more about whales, especially the endangered southern resident orcas who live off of the San Juans in Washington state. Um, and you might remember hearing about this um, group of whales who are um, at kind of on the brink of extinction, um, especially one of the pods, which is called J-Pod. There's J, K, and L pods. And these are families of whales. Um, And the J-Pod has had a really hard time. All of them have had a really hard time producing viable offspring. Um, And you might have heard this summer about the female whale named Taliqua who carried her dead calf all throughout the sea for 17 days. mourning its death, you know, it only lived 30 minutes and she carried it for over two weeks, which was unprecedented. Um, Oftentimes whales will mourn the loss of their calves or family members. They do show a lot of signs of grief and empathy and complex emotions and communication just like us. Um, But carrying a dead calf for that long was unheard of. Um, And it sparked a lot of um, discussion and I think awareness of the plight of these whales. Um, This orca population is down to just 72 and it hasn't produced a living calf in three years. Um, So their babies are dying and it's really sad. And I just, you know, cried for like 20 minutes reading more about this story. Um, And it feels really heavy and really painful, not just because the death of anything is painful and not just because um, their deaths are at the hands of us. Um, They're dying because of human pollution of their waters, the degradation and um, really the demise of the Chinook salmon population in that part of the world. Um, But I think it's deeply, deeply painful also because it reflects back to us the pain that we're inflicting upon ourselves and these creatures who are innocent, right? And, um, you know, I kind of kept, I journaled about this and kept following my intuition, like, what does this have to do with our careers? Like, what story could I share on this podcast that has anything to do with our professional lives? And what I realized is that it has everything to do with our careers because, through our day-to-day lives and through our work, we co-create the context in which these whales are suffering and dying. Um, We participate in a system that's built upon the oppression and the degradation of the environment, which then manifests as the degradation and oppression of 
Black and Indigenous people, people of color, women, all of us who don't fit into this white supremacist mold. And I would argue even those who maybe are white cisgendered males, you know, who do have a ton of privilege in this society, this hurts them as well. It hurts all of us. Um, And I think images like this mother carrying her dead calf in the water for 17 days um, is just a stark sort of inarguable demonstration of um, the pain that we're all feeling internally and that gets manifested externally as well. So obviously, I realize it's a pretty heavy introduction to this month's podcast, but all of that to say, these are some of the themes that I'm going to be working with in this episode. Um, and I also want to just use it um, as an acknowledgement of what's happening in our world and to use it as a basis for our opening invocation, which is something I do every episode um, to sort of set the stage for our work here. So for this episode, I want to dedicate the effort involved in putting it out into the world. I want to dedicate that effort to this family of whales that is suffering um, at the hands of our society and the agreements we've made about how we will work with the environment. Um, I want to ask that this episode and each of us that are listening to it be blessed and emboldened to do the work that we're meant to do on this planet, even if we don't see any direct connection to conservation or saving the environment. By standing in our truth and doing the work that we know we're meant to do, everyone is helped, ourselves included. Um, So may this work, may the work that we do every day honor our ancestors, known and unknown. May it be in harmony with the creatures we share this earth with. Um, I want to express gratitude for all of the technologies and the gifts that have made this podcast possible. And I want to respectfully acknowledge the Chinook people who have originally stewarded the land that I'm on. So with all of that said, let's begin. Um, As I was meditating on the story of these orcas and what message could be shared this month, I realized that the wisdom of winter, which is the season we are coming upon, is really about reorienting ourselves to life, capital L, life. Um, In my world, I've been noticing this trend toward human-centered design in the workplace, which I think is a fine place to start. Um, it's certainly better than like industrial based design or designing organizations as if they were machines and the people in them are just cogs in this machine. But I don't think it actually takes us very far. Um, and I'm sort of tired of the whole human centered orientation, right? It comes from a place of believing that humans are superior, that we're at the top of the food chain, that we are here to, um, manage the ecosystems we're in. We're here to dominate nature. Um, And that obviously hasn't gotten us to a very healthy world or a healthy environment. So how can we shift things in our lives and our careers to be life-centered? If if at the center of all of our decisions, all of our organizations, all of the structures we built, if at the center of that was a desire to be in integrity with life, a desire to contribute to the health of all living beings, what would change, right? I get that human-centered design is there to help 
make workplaces a lot healthier, more inviting, um, more inclusive. And I honor all of that. But if that's done at the expense of, you know, all of the trees around your building or, uh, these whales who are suffering from pollution or at the expense of, um, organisms we don't even know about at the end of the supply chain as we're gathering our materials for our work, it doesn't, um, that doesn't mean, I guess it doesn't feel like that makes the human-centered stuff worth it, right? The work that we need to do is shifting our orientation so that what is at the center is the well-being and integrity of all life, human and non-human. Um, it's really humbling to acknowledge that we're just one small part of the ecosystem, right? And that can really shift our perspective and shift the decisions we make about our careers and our organizations as a whole. So the question of this season is really, how can you bring yourself into greater integrity with life? Not from a place of domination or extracting from the environment around you, but really from a place of partnership and wanting to take your rightful place in this ecosystem, which is not above or below anything, but is in equal relationship to it. In order to do that, to be in greater integrity with life, I think it requires some deep rest and quiet, not all the time, but especially this season. I think it really requires the courage to stop talking and to deeply listen to the wisdom inside of us and inside the cycles of nature. Because when we're quiet and grounded, and we've all experienced this, even if you feel like it's not part of your day-to-day life anymore, when we're really in that centered place, we can connect again to ourselves and center around what is good for all living beings, not just ourselves, not just humans. We can wreak havoc on our own lives and on the lives of others when we participate in this madness of capitalism, which shows up as like urgent deadlines, the need for more things, the need for better things, the urge to work more, climb ladders, make more money, the pressure to ignore our body, ignore our spirit, ignore the needs that we have in order to do more, right? That's the system that we're in. That's the narrative that we have been socialized to believe in. And the implicit assumption there is that if we're not busy, if we're not overworked, if we're not overwhelmed, then we're lazy or we're unambitious or we're weak because we can't just get with the program. These are all ways that our system poisons us with this lie of urgency, right? How many of us are in patterns where we believe or are pressured to believe that everything is urgent? Every part of our day, every part of our work is urgent and has to happen this second. Um, So a big part of the work this season in our careers and in our lives is slowing down enough to reconnect to our natural cycles. Um, The work that we're in, the you know, places that we go to work, the communities that we're part of, this system of capitalism that we live in, all of the rushing there leads to this foggy kind of forgetfulness where we become myopic, where we only see our own needs, right? And that again, this doesn't mean that we're bad or that we're heartless or that we're not empathetic. It's just that we get into these patterns where we get foggy because we're, we feel like we can barely meet our own needs and that life is moving so fast that we don't notice the subtle messages we get from our intuition or um, we don't have the time or space to learn about what's happening to 
plants and animals around us or to even go outside and connect with them. So when we go slow, we can notice where we're out of integrity. We can notice where we feel pain in our body, um, where we feel rushed and how that feels to us and whether or not we want to continue to be part of that. So, you know, winter technically doesn't start until the solstice, which is on December 21st, but we are in the midst of it now. And the solstice is actually the peak of darkness. So it makes sense that we would begin to work with winter now before it technically begins. But on the solstice, on the 21st, the the world shifts so that we begin to, in the Northern Hemisphere, we begin to shift back into the light half of the year. Um, it comes slowly, but between December 21st and late June, the summer solstice, the days will begin to get longer and longer. The light returns. And so on the solstice, we celebrate the turning toward the light half of the year again. So that's happening, but we're still in the very cold um you know, wet, dark, snowy season of winter until spring, which is late February, late March. Um, And what nature invites us to do in the winter is to hibernate, to enjoy the fruits of our labors from earlier this year, to let the soil of our lives regenerate on its own. There's nothing we need to do. We don't need to till the soil. We need to let it rest and do its own thing. Um, we're invited to spend more time in the dark and in the cold. Um, we're invited to create our own heat from within, right? The sun isn't beating down on us anymore, so we have to come inside. And you know, our ancestors would have lit a fire in their homes or been near the fire outside, and we get to do that now with heaters or candlelight or within our own movement practices and creating heat in our body and eating foods that are warming, drinking tea, um, doing the things we need to do to replace the loss of heat from the sun. Um, Animals at this time have done a lot of work to bring in the food that they'll need for the rest of this season. Um, Food is scarce in the winter if you're out hunting or um, gathering food, so they stock up on the resources that they need ahead of time. And we're invited to do the same, to pull in the resources we need to feed ourselves this season, um, which includes rest and space. Um, I work with this really amazing acupuncturist in Portland named Lindsay Buchanan, and I'll link to her website um, in the show notes. Um, And I would highly, highly recommend her if you're looking for a healer or uh, an acupuncturist in Portland. And something she taught me about winter that I found really helpful was that in Chinese medicine, they look for um, or they see the impacts of how we worked with a season two seasons later. So we were talking about winter and how hard it can be to really slow down and like deeply rest. And she told me that um, if we don't do that at this time, then we will see the effects of this lack of energy in the summer. Or if we don't work with spring in a really good way, we will see the lack of vitality or new growth in the winter or the fall of 2019. So what we do now has real impacts on our bodies and at a spiritual level, two seasons or more ahead, right? So this is really important foundational work that we have a chance to do. When we slow down in our lives and in our careers, 
our vibration changes, the way we come across, the way we feel about our lives, those things change. We can get out of crisis mode and back into our bodies. And when we do this, we can notice which foods really work for us, which movements heal us, how much sleep we really need. Um, We notice what feels toxic in our lives. We notice what feels toxic at work. We notice the dynamics in relationship with people that work for us or don't work with us. Um, And we can make the choices we need to make from a place that's really grounded and centered instead of one that's in chaos or crisis. Um, So this is really possible and it's really important. And um, I want to share a little technique you can use to raise awareness in your body about how this urgency or this sense of rushing feels to you. Um, so imagine that you're in a, a place where you feel that sense of like rushing or urgency or that things need to happen faster. Um, it could be imagining yourself at work or at your desk and feeling like you need to go faster. If you're listening to this while you're driving and if you're in traffic and you feel like you're running late, just notice like how that feels in your body. Um, your body probably wants to like move forward. You're like bending forward, um, your tum- your stomach might be tight, you might feel tightness in your chest, it could feel like you get a rush of adren- adrenaline or cortisol. So just notice how that feels for you in your body, that sense of urgency. And now see if you can relax a little bit and take a posture of slowness or recall a time when you didn't feel rushed when you felt like time was available, that there was plenty of time. And just notice how like graceful that feels in your body. When it feels like time expands, when we claim that space to relax and to settle into what is ever, whatever is going on for us, our bodies open up, our blood pressure decreases, our breathing slows down, And we have more resources available neurologically to think clearly. So this shift is available in every moment, no matter what's happening externally. We can always choose to drop into this place of slowness. And I know it feels really hard because we have a lot of pressure around us to rush constantly. Um, The system that we're part of is (laughs) anti-rest. Your organization is not set up to support your restfulness, even if it's a wonderful place to work, full of wonderful people. Your organization, if it's like 99% of the companies out there, is production-centered. It's oriented around productivity and efficiency and increasing profit or increasing output, even if it's nonprofit. So how we negotiate that is to claim the space internally to expand time when we need it, to slow down when we need it, even if it feels like everyone around us is expecting us to go faster. Um, You know, I think it's really interesting that nature at this time is slowing down, that the days are so much shorter, the animals and plants around us are hibernating, and that's all happening, and we're invited to do the same. Our animal, animal bodies want to do the same thing. And as a reaction to that, we create what I see as like chaos in the holiday season. And I think we do it as an aversion or a resistance to rest because we don't know how to rest. We don't know how to do this and, 
you know, it doesn't, it may not come naturally. It comes naturally in our bodies, but our minds override that and say that there's, you know, there's so much to do. We have all of these um, gatherings to go to or gifts to get or things to do before we go on a trip to see our families for the holidays. Um, I think it's sort of an unconscious reaction to this discomfort with rest. And we do it in our organizations as well. We do it with end of year planning, uh, strategy for next year, all of these things that are sort of biologically inappropriate at this time, right? The winter is about enjoying the work that we've done really letting our soil regenerate on its own and just not doing as much so that we can have the energy and the clarity we need to do strategy for next year, to plant the seeds in the spring that we need. Um, So the system is not set up for this, but that doesn't mean you don't have agency inside of it. No one can give you the rest that you need. You have to do it for yourself. Your organization probably isn't going to say, you know, it's winter. Why don't you go to bed earlier or uh, take off more time or just do a little less at work, right? They're probably not going to say that. So we have to do it for ourselves. So this season, you get to start by deciding what counts as a crisis for you. Um, In nature, rushing, when we rush, it makes sense in crisis and in play, right? So if you look at animals or think about um, how plants grow, There's only real rushing or urgency if there is a crisis, like a lack of resources or an imminent danger to your life, like being chased by a predator, Um, or it makes sense when you're playing, right? Horses will run really fast and chase each other, or um, animals will run and, you know, do the same thing, that there can be like a rushing as an excitement and about play, but it's not constant. It's not constant like it is for many of us humans who are bought into this idea that everything has to be rushed. It makes sense when we're in crisis, true crisis, and it makes sense when we want to play and expend a lot of energy. So you get to decide what counts as crisis to you. Like what counts as urgent to you? What is worthy of rapid expenditure of your energy? For me, crisis used to be like an unanswered email or getting um, a note from a customer. Like anything external sort of felt like a crisis because I felt like I had to respond right away and drop what I was doing. Nowadays, it's that's much less frequent um, because of some of the boundaries I've set and the ongoing conversation I have with myself about how I want to live and do I really want to live in crisis and in urgency all the time. Um, But it still happens. I still haven't gotten over the feeling of crisis when I'm running late. That feels urgent to me, even though the person on the other end is probably very gracious. It's not a huge deal if I'm 10 minutes late. I still have to work with the sense of um, panic that comes up in my body when I'm running late. So it's a work in progress. So the first step is to decide what counts as crisis to you. Um, And you get to negotiate when you will rush and be in urgency mode and when you will uh, claim your space to slow down and do that internally. Um, Some of us may have um, a higher um, sense of urgency or um, like a quicker tendency to feel like we're in crisis and that may be because we're someone who's highly sensitive. It may be because we have ancestral history of trauma or um, 
a sense of panic based on what's happened in our family lines. That's all uh, completely valid and relevant, of course. But we all still have a choice about how we will work with the pressure of urgency and rushing this season. Um, So if you want to shift your orientation to life, if you want to drop into a place where you can deeply rest and set yourself up for growth in the spring and the summer, I want to share some ideas for how you can be in integrity with winter. So after you've negotiated what counts as crisis for you and what you will and won't rush for, you can work with the idea of expanding time. And this is a concept that's a little bit heady, but it's based on the Einstein model of time. Um, So there's models of time that are very linear, that like a minute is a minute no matter where you are. And then there are models of time like Einstein's that are much more subjective, right? So five minutes doing something you really enjoy is a lot different than five minutes doing something that's miserable, right? Five minutes eating a really amazing meal feels different than five minutes waiting in the freezing cold for a bus to go to work, right? Those experiences feel differently, even though they're both five minutes. So where you can start is to do what you normally do, but with a lot more presence and awareness of the time and see if you can really notice um, how it feels to be in your body throughout the day. Um, Nothing has to change. You can still be in traffic running late, but you can breathe a little deeper. You can notice the song on the radio. You can get your mind to drop in out of that narrative of rushing and into your body. And just by doing this, you expand time. Time feels more spacious. It feels less miserable. Your body and its chemistry changes. So that's the best place to start. It's to just do what you normally do, but from a place of noticing that you get to decide how to orient to time. Time can be outside of you and oppressive and this big thing that's out of your control, or it can be something that you are flexible with and you just notice how it feels to be in this minute and this minute. Some other concrete ideas this season are to cancel things that aren't in integrity for you. Um, I know there's a lot of pressure to go to events or holiday parties or be out in the world or go see family. Um, And I would encourage you to do do less than you're comfortable doing. Um, If there is open space in your calendar, I encourage you not to fill it. If there's just not work to do at work right now, don't feel, uh, don't buy into the pressure to make stuff up just for the sake of being busy. If you have any autonomy at all, which I know many of you do, um, leave the office early or uh, do something enjoyable or have a conversation with a coworker instead of creating more work for yourself. Um, this season is like a huge permission slip from nature to say, slow down, do less. Um, and if you're part of the holiday retail craziness, if it feels like now is the last time, the last chance in this year that you have to really take rest. Um, Again, you can just start internally. You can enjoy the breaks that you do get. You can really notice how your cup of tea smells and tastes. You can really drop into your body and create space internally. And then hopefully that will begin to reverberate externally as well. 
other things you can do to be in integrity and create a foundation for growth next year are to sleep more, um, to take a posture of hibernation, which might mean being inside more, being home more, going home early, uh, getting up a little later, letting yourself sleep in whenever possible, taking time off of work if you can. Um, it could also be about eating seasonal foods, uh, creating heat through gentle movement at home. Uh, one thing that my partner and I did last winter, which felt really good, was that we turned off our lights. Um, so every night around seven, we would turn off the lamps and all the electronic lights and we would light a few candles and we, we would just notice how it felt to live in darkness. Um, and it was really interesting. It was a little, you know, annoying and uncomfortable at first, but after a few nights of doing that, I noticed how tired I was early. You know, sometimes I'll get caught up in like watching TV or reading a book and I ignore the messages my body's telling me about how I need to go to bed. But when you're living by candlelight and there's not electronics in front of you or there's not um, artificial light, you can more deeply cue into the messages that your body is sending you. And even if you go to bed at the same time, something about being in the dark feels really replenishing and rejuvenating. So I would encourage you to try that, even if it's just for one night, um, and just notice how it feels. Another recommendation I have, which has really shifted things for me, and which is an idea that came from the book, The Big Leap, um, is to go on a diet from complaining about time. If you start doing that, you'll notice how often you complain about time. A lot of us wake up and the first things we think is, oh my God, I have to hurry up because I don't have enough time already. And what a nasty way to wake up, right? That doesn't set a nice solid foundation for our day or for our lives. Um, and we do it all throughout the day. I don't have time to get here. I don't have time to do that. I don't have time to talk to this person or um, stop by that place that I want to go to. And if you just limit the complaining you can do for a day or more, um, I think you'll start to notice that time feels less oppressive, that it starts to magically feel like there's more time. So I would encourage you to try that as well if you haven't already. Um, so those are just some concrete ideas that you can do to work with the season of winter. And your mind will probably trip out. You may already have felt a lot of resistance to the things that I've shared in this episode. You may feel like that's impossible or this is ridiculous. I really don't have enough time. I have no choice about the things I'm doing. And that's okay. Those are just, um, if you feel a lot of resistance, that's a sign that there is work to do in that area. Um, if it feels truly like you have no time to yourself, that you have no agency over your life, I would encourage you to really look at that and to ask yourself multiple times if that's really true. Because we all have areas where we can negotiate our relationship to time. Um, we are animals, right, in this body, and we respond to the cues from the environment just like the bears and the birds and the trees do. We notice that there's less light. We notice that it's colder. We naturally want to go inside and be warm and create heat and rest more. So the work here is really just to let ourselves do that. Um, the winter is so amazing and it's really the best time to start anew because by pulling in resources and energy this season, you create this 
basis of rest and uh, peace and groundedness that will serve you in the spring and the summer. In the spring and the summer, you will be invited to plant the seeds, to set intentions for your career and for your life. And then in the summer, we get to work with that and see what grows, right? And the spring and the summer are really hard to do well if you haven't done this foundational work in the winter. So you get to decide now how you orient to next year. And I encourage you to choose to be full, choose to be vital, choose to be connected to life, choose to be so fed and nourished and rested and grounded that you can plant the seeds that are right for you in the spring and so that you can do the big, abundant, busy work that you want to do in the summer. It's okay if you don't know what that is going to look like in the spring and the summer. You don't, you, maybe you're not meant to know yet. That's okay. There can be a lot of pressure to like set big resolutions and plan for the year ahead. And sometimes we just don't know. But all of us know right now that we need to honor the season of winter and really rest and get nourished. Um, that's the work that we can all do right now to set a really firm foundation for us in the next year. Um, what we do now will echo into the six months ahead. So I encourage you to really settle in, um, honor your animal body, take a posture of hibernation, and it will begin to reverberate externally. Um, and if it feels hard, imagine what you could do in your career with a lot more energy. Imagine what it would look like to be focused and intentional in the spring. Imagine what it would feel like to be so busy doing the work that you really love with people you love in an environment you love in the summer. And again, you don't have to know what that will be. All you have to do is start by living in alignment with the winter. When we slow down, we can hear our intuition guiding us, right? And I'm sure a part of you right now is calling for more rest, for less overwhelm, for less urgency. And one of the ways that I help people connect with their intuition beyond that is to do what I call intuitive career readings. Um, so in these readings, which are always done remotely, I use the tarot, which is a deck of cards that's been around since, gosh, for millennia. And I use the tarot and some light astrology to give you a sense of what's going on at a deep level in your career at this time. Um, I spend about two hours on each one, meditating on your career, doing your card reading, um, writing up all of my notes in a really beautiful document that's sent to you, and recording a 30-minute audio response so you that kind of adds color to the reading and tells you what I see and what I think for next steps and what actions you could be taking now for your career. Um, and it's been really helpful to a lot of people. It's a really lovely, quiet way to reset and realign in your work life at this time. So I just wanted to share that at the end of our episode in case you want to schedule one or get a gift certificate for a loved one, uh, both of which you can do at my website, meganleatherman.com, which I'll put in the show notes as well. So that is what I have for you, my friends. Um, this holiday season, I encourage you to just be really radical about the rest you need. Um, New Year's is also coming up. And I just want to say that it's totally okay to refrain from making resolutions until spring is closer, which is a more natural time to do those things. If New Year's feels really um, 
refreshing and rejuvenating to you, by all means, go for it and do the resolutions and make the changes you want to make. But I uh, just never feel that way. And if you don't either, um, I encourage you to do it closer to the spring equinox in late March, which is a very natural time to be setting resolutions and planting seeds and um, setting up our garden for the year ahead. So I hope this felt rejuvenating and nourishing and uh, encouraging to you. May you be well this season. May this be a time of deep rejuvenation and nourishment for each and every one of you. Thank you for being here and I will be back in January with some more nature-based wisdom for your career. 